Invest investment versus speculation results to be expected by the intelligent investor. This chapter will outline the viewpoints that will be set forth in the remainder of the book. In particular, we wish to develop at the outset our concept of appropriate portfolio policy for the individual non-professional investor. Investment versus speculation, what do we mean by investor throughout this book? The term will be used as contradiction, contradicts distinction to speculator as far back as 1934 in our textbook security analysis we attempted a precise formulation of the difference between the two as follows an, inv an investment operation is one which upon thorough analysis promises safety of principle and an adequate return operations not meeting these requirements are speculative while we have clung tenaciously to this definition over the ensuing 38 years it is worthwhile noting the radical changes that have occurred in the use of the term investor during this period. After the great market decline in 1929-1932, all common stocks were widely regarded as speculative by nature. A leading author authority stated flatly that only bonds could be bought for investments. Thus, we had then to defend our definition against the charge that it gave too wide scope to the concept of investment. Now, our concern is of the opposite sort. We must prevent our readers from accepting the common jargon which applies the term investor to anybody for every and everybody in the stock market. In our last edition, we cited the following headline of the front page article of the leading financial journal in 1962. Small investors bearish, they are selling odd lots short. In October 1970, the same journal had an editorial critical of what it calls called reckless investors, who this time were rushing in on the buying side. These quotations will illustrate the confusion that has been dominant for many years in the use of the words investment and speculation, think of our suggested definition of investment given above, and compare it with the sale of a few shares of stock by an inexperienced member of the public who does not even own what he is selling, and has some largely emotional conviction that he will be able to buy them back at a much lower price. It is not irrelevant to point out that when the 1962 article appeared, the market had already experienced a decline of major size and was now getting ready for an even greater upswing. It was about as poor a time as possible for selling short. In a more general sense, the letter used phrase reckless investors could be regarded as a laughable contradiction in terms, something like spendthrift misers were that misuse of language not so mischievous. The newspaper employed the word investor in these instances because in the easy language of Wall Street, everyone who buys or sells a security <coughs> has become an investor regardless of what he buys or for what purpose or at what price or whether for cash or on margin. Compare this with the attitude of the public toward common stocks in 1948 when over 90% of those queried expressed themselves as, as opposed to the purchase of common stocks about half gave as the reason not safe a gamble and about half the reason not familiar with. It is indeed ironical. Though not surprising that common stock purchases of all kinds were quite generally regarded as highly speculative or risky at a time when they were selling on the most attractive basis and due soon to begin 
their greatest advance in history conversely the very fact they had advanced to what were undoubtedly dangerous levels as just by past experience later transformed them into investments and the entire stock buying public into investors the distinction between investment and speculation in common stocks has always been a useful one and its disappearance is a cause for concern we have often said that wall street as an institution would be well advised to reinstate this distinction and to emphasize it in all the dealings with the public otherwise the stock exchange may so may someday be blamed for heavy speculative losses which those who suffered them had not been properly warned against ironically once more much of the recent financial embarrassment of some stock exchange firm seems to have come from the inclusion of speculative 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 common stocks in their own capital funds we trust that the reader of this book will gain a reasonably clear idea of the risk that are inherent in common stocks commitments risk which are inseparable from the opportunities of profit that they offer and both of them must be allowed for in the investor's calculations what we have just said indicates that there may be no longer be such a thing as a simon pure investment policy comprising representative common stocks in the sense that one can always wait to buy them at a price that involves no risk of a market or quotational loss large enough to be disquieting in most periods the investor must recognize the existence of a speculative late speculative speculative factor in his common stocks holdings it it is his task to keep this component within minor limits and to be prepared financially and psychologically for adverse results that may be of short or long duration two paragraphs should be added about stock speculation per se as distinguished from the speculative component now inherent in most representative common stocks outright speculation is neither illegal immoral nor for most people fattening to the pocketbook more than that some speculation is necessary and unavoidable for in many common stock situations there are substantial possibilities of both pro- both profit and loss and the risks therein must be assumed by someone there is intelligent speculation as there is intelligent investment but there are many ways in which speculation may be unintelligent of these the foremost are speculating when you think you are investing speculating seriously instead of as a pastime when you lack proper knowledge and skill for it and risking more money in speculation than you can afford to lose in our conservative view every non professional who operates on margin plus should recognize that he is ipso facto speculating and it is his broker's duty so to advise him and everyone who buys a so called hot common stock issue or makes a purchase in any way similar thereto is either speculating or gambling speculation is always fascinating and it can be a lot of fun while you are ahead of the game if you want to try your luck at it put aside a portion portion the smaller the better of your capital in a separate fund for this purpose <coughs> never add more money to this account just because the market has gone up and profits are rolling in never mingle your speculative and investment operations in the same account nor in any part of your thinking results to be expected by the defensive investor we have already defined the defensive investor as one interested chiefly in safe 
टी प्लस फ्रीडम फ्रॉम बॉदर इन जनरल वॉट कोर्स शुड ही फॉलो एंड वॉट रिटर्न कैन ही एक्सपेक्ट अंडर एवरेज नॉर्मल कंडीशन इफ सच कंडीशन रियली एग्जिस्ट टू आंसर दीज क्वेश्चन वी शैल कंसिडर फर्स्ट वॉट वी रोट ऑन द सब्जेक्ट सेवन ईयर्स अगो नेक्स्ट वॉट सिग्निफिकेंट चेंजेस हैव अकर्ड सिंस दैन इन द अंडरलाइंग फैक्टर्स गवर्निंग द इन्वेस्टर्स एक्सपेक्टेबल रिटर्न एंड फाइनली वॉट ही शुड डू एंड वॉट शुड एक्सपेक्ट अंडर प्रेजेंट डे इन नाइनटीन what we said 6 years ago we recommended that the investors divide his holdings between high grade bonds and leading common stocks that the proportion held in bonds be never less than 25% or more than 75% with the converse being necessarily true for the common stock component that his simplest choice would be to maintain a 50-50 proportion between the two with adjustments to restore the equality when market developments had distributed it by as much as say 5% as an alternative policy he might choose to reduce his common stock component to 25% if he felt the market was dangerously high and conversely to advance it towards the maximum of 75% if he felt that a decline in stock prices was making them increasingly attractive in 1965 the investor could obtain about 4 four and 1/2% on high grade taxable bonds and 3 1/4% on good tax free bonds the dividend return on leading common stocks with the dgia at 892 was only about 3.2% this fact and other suggested caution we implied that at normal levels of the market the investor should be able to obtain an initial dividend return of between 3 and a half and four and a half on his stock purchases to which should be added a steady increase in underlying value of a representative stock list of about the same same amount giving a return from dividends and appreciation combined of about seven and a half per percent per year the half and the half division between bonds and stocks would yield about six percent before income tax we added that the stock component should carry a fair degree of protection against loss of purchasing power caused by the large scale inflation it should be pointed out that the above arithmetic indicated expectations of a much lower rate of advance in the stock market than had been realized between 1949 and 1964 that rate had averaged a good deal better than 10% for listed stocks as a whole and it was quite generally regarded as a sort of guarantee that similarly satisfactory results could be counted on in the future few people were willing to consider seriously the possibility that the high rate of advance in the past means that stocks prices are now too high and hence that the wonderful results since 1939 would imply not very good but bad results for the future what happened what has happened since 1964 the major change in since 1964 has been the rise in interest rates on the first grade bonds to record high lev- high levels although there has since been a considerable recovery from the lowest prices of 1970 the obtainable return on good corporate issues is now about 7.5% and even more against 4.5% in 1964 in the meantime the dividend return on dji type stocks had a fair advance also during the market decline in 1969 to 1970 But as we write with the DOW at 900 it is less than 3.5% against 3.2% at the end of 1964 the change is going interest the change in going interest rates produced a maximum decline of about 38% in the market price of the medium term say 20 year bond during 
this period there is a paradoxical aspect to these developments in 1964 we discussed at length the possibility that the price of stocks might be too high and subject ultimately to a serious decline but we did not consider specifically the possibility that the same might happen to the price of high grade bonds neither did anyone else that we know of we did warn on p number b19 that a long term bond may vary widely in price in response to changes in interest rates in the light of what has since happened we think that this warning with attendant examples was insufficiently stressed for the fact is that if the investor had a given sum in the djia and its closing price of 874 and 964 he would have had a small profit thereon in late 1971 even at the lowest level 631 and 970 his indicated loss would have been less than that shown on good term bonds on the other hand if he had confined his bond type investments to us savings bonds short term corporate issues or savings accounts he would have had no loss in market value of his principal during this period and he would have enjoyed a higher income return than was offered by the good stocks it turned out therefore that true cash equivalents proved to be better investments in 1964 than common stocks in spite of the inflation experience that in theory should have favored stocks over cash the decline in quoted principal value of good longer term bonds was due to the developments in the money market and abstruse area which ordinarily does not have an important bearing on the investment policy of individuals This is just another of an endless series of experiences over time that have demonstrated that the future of security prices is never predictable. Almost always bonds have fluctuated much less than stock prices and investors generally could buy good bonds of any maturity without having to worry about changes in their market value. There were a few expectations to this rule and the period after 1964 proved to be one of them. We shall have more to say about change in bond prices in the later chapter. expectations and policy in late 1971 and early 1972 toward the end of the 1971 it was possible to obtain 8% taxable interest on good medium term corporate bond and 5.7% tax free on good state or municipal securities in the shorter term field the investor could realize about 6% on the unit on us government issues due in 5 years in the latter case the buyer need not to be concerned about a possible loss in market value since he is sure of full repayment including the 6% interest return at the end of a comparatively short holding period the dji at its recurrent price level of 990.71 yields only 3.5% let us assume that now as in the past the basic policy discussion to be made is how to divide the fund between high grade bonds or other so called cash equivalent the leading dji type stocks what course should the investor follow under present conditions if we have no strong reason to predict either a significant upward or a significant downward movement for some time in the future first let us point out that if there is no serious adverse change the defensive investor should be able to count on the current 3.5% dividend return on his stocks and also on average annual appreciation of about 4% as we shall explain later this appreciation is based essentially on the reinvestment by the various companies of a corresponding amount annually out of undistributed profits 
on a before tax basis the combined return of his stocks would then then average say 7.5% somewhat less than his interest on high grade bonds on an after tax basis the average return on stocks would work out at some 5.3% this would be about the same as is as is now obtainable on good tax free medium term bonds this expect these expectations are much less favorable for stocks against bonds than they were uh, that than they were in our <coughs> uh, uh, in our 1964 analysis that conclusion f- fall bonds the conclusion follows inevitably from the basic fact that bond yields have gone up much more than stock yields since 1964 we must never lose sight of the fact that the interest and the principal payments on good bonds are much better <coughs> protected and therefore more certain than the dividends and price appreciation on stocks consequently we are forced to the conclusion that now toward the end of 1971 bond investment appears clearly preferable to stock investment if we could be sure that this conclusion is right we would have to advise the defensive investor to put all his money in bonds and none in the common stocks until the current yield relationship changes significantly in favor of stocks but of course we cannot be certain that the bonds will work out better than stocks from today's level the reader will immediately think of inflation factor as a potent reason on the other side in the next chapter we shall argue that our considerable experience with inflation in the united states during this during this century would not support the choice of stocks against bond at present differentials in yield but there is always the possibility though we consider it remote of an accelerating inflation which is one way or another would have to make stock equities preferable to bonds payable in a fixed amount of dollars there is an there is the alternative possibility which we also consider highly unlikely that american business will become so profitable without stepped up inflation as to justify a large increase in the common stock values in the next few years finally there is more familiar possibility that we shall witness another great speculative rise in the stock market without a real justification in the underlying values any of these reasons and perhaps others we haven't thought of might cause the investor to regret a 100% concentration on bonds even at their more favorable yields levels hence after this foreshortened discussion of the major considerations we once again enunciate the same basic comprehensive policy for defensive investors namely that namely that all times they have significant part of their funds in bond type holdings and a significant part also in equities it is still true that they may choose between maintaining a simple 50/50 division between the two components on a ratio dependent on their judgment varying between a minimum of 25% and a maximum of 75% of either we shall give our more detailed view on these alternative policies in a later chapter since at present the overall return in vzagd from common stocks is nearly the same as that from bonds the presently expectable return including growth of stock values for the investors would change little regardless of how he divides his fund between the two components as calculated out of the aggregate return from the both parts should be about 7.8% before taxes or 5.5% on a tax free or estimated tax paid basis a return of this 
order is appreciably higher than that realized by the typical conservative investor over most of the long term past it may not seem attractive in relation to the 14% or so returns shown by common stocks during the 20 years of the predominantly bull market after 14 after 1949 but it should be remembered that between 1949 and 1969 the price of the dji had advanced more than the five fold while its earnings and dividends had about doubled hence the greater part of the impressive market record for that period was based on a change in investors and speculators attitudes rather than in underlying corporate values and to <coughs> extent it might well be called a bootstrap operation